Hello, I'm Rev. Shannon Moore, and you're listening to the Simple Worship Podcast, recorded each week at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Every Sunday at 9.30 a.m., we gather in the Chapel of the Good Shepherd to sing, take communion, and worship. If you'd like to join us, in person or virtually, please visit our website, universitychristian.org, for more details. We're looking at Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13 this morning. Now, today's text was written, if I remember my English correctly, in second person plural. So in English, that is the word you, which can sound very singular. But I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with the scripture reading this morning and read it in a way that's more understandable to the original text, given the limitations of our language. So this is Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. The Shannon version. (laughs) Y'all are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste... How can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. Y'all are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let y'all's light shine before others, so that they may see y'all's good work and give glory to y'all's Father in heaven. I didn't know whether to say y'all's or all y'all. Either way. (laughs) So we're talking about very familiar things, salt, light, cities, everyday things. But they were precious commodities in Jesus' time. Salt and light are simple, but they're crucial to our existence. And nobody embodies salt and light as Jesus is talking about it. No one person. It is a community effort, but it's a blessing that comes with responsibility. If you think about salt a little bit, what it does is it brings out flavor in something else. It does its best work when it is combined with another element. Salt that isn't salty, Jesus said, isn't useful. Now this is where quite a bit of debate comes up because there are smarty pant people who say, well, actually, natural salt never loses its flavor. Obviously, Jesus wasn't a chemist. Okay, that's all true. (laughs) But Jesus was making a point here, as Jesus always does so well. I think he was basically saying it's like water that has lost its wetness. Right, it's not water anymore. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. Then he talks about light. Light by itself also doesn't have a purpose. It has to be interacting with something else to give life, to nourish, to enlighten. He talks about a city on a hill that serves as a beacon to others. He talks about a lamp that is lit in a room and it's supposed to enlighten the entire room. And these things that Jesus is talking about, they, if we look at um, health insurance <laughs> kind of uh, verbiage, They're not prescriptions, they're pre-existing conditions. They're not things that we have to strive for. We have it already. Y'all are the salt of the earth. Y'all are the light of the world. It is already inside of us. One of the things I read this week said that Jesus was actually addressing the light, not the people. Light, shine to every single person that was hearing this. Light, shine out of these people. 
Jesus is wanting us to let the light that is in us be more evident to the world. To let the world see the light that lives inside of us so that God can have the glory. Now a little bit later in Matthew, Jesus is going to preach about not being pious. About uh, not doing good works so that other people can give you the praise. He's not contradicting himself here. Jesus is teaching us to celebrate the inherent ways that we can reflect that which we already are. Not doing things for glory, but to celebrate the light that is within us that comprises our very essence and who we are. We are not the light itself. We reflect the light of God. We are an overflow of God's light and love and grace. Our good works don't belong to us. They belong to God. And our default setting, and I'm speaking for myself here too, leans toward complacency and comfort. Jesus needs us to be salt. Jesus needs us to be light. And as Catherine Lewis, a theologian, said, the salt might sting and the light might expose things that don't want to be seen. We'll continue with verse 17. This is Jesus. He's making a shift. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is talking about His old-time religion of Judaism. The law is the thread that connects the past and the present. We kind of forget sometimes that Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> you know, he was steeped in Jewish culture, in Jewish faith, in Jewish tradition, in Jewish customs. And as he's preaching, he's saying, I'm not superseding the law. I'm holding it in great respect. The relevance of Jesus' teaching shows us new ways to embrace the connection that we already have with God, honoring the past, not denigrating it or saying that it is outdated or useless. He's not reinventing righteousness. Jesus is standing in the rivers of hope and justice and pointing towards the source of those rivers, which is God, which has flowed through the generations that came before. God's voice has not changed, Jesus is saying. God's voice has always been the truth, and it remains the truth. In His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is not telling us that He's replacing the law and prophets, but rather He is echoing them. And that was important to the people who were hearing this message from Him, who were also steeped in Jewish faith and tradition and custom. The law and the prophets remind us that God heard the call of the enslaved Israelites and set them free. And we learn that God's promises and God's actions and God's revelation and commandments are bound up together. People are the ones who made the law legalistic, not God. God calls us to trust God with our very lives. Here's a quote from a theologian named Eric Barreto. If we trust God's promises 
and I've got this bold and italicized here. If we trust God's promises and stand grateful for God's actions, then we will bend our lives toward the life-giving ways God has called us to follow. If we trust in God, if we trust God's promises and stand grateful in God's actions, then we're going to bend our lives to match God's will. Simply following the laws is not enough. That's like a barrier or a test of your faithfulness. It's a starting point for our righteousness, opening up our lives to be attuned to God's grace-filled will. And then Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. When I hear scribes and Pharisees, I think, oh, well, they're hypocrites and they're bad people, so I can do that. But Jesus, I think, is not coming down on the scribes and Pharisees here. These are people whose lives are devoted to God, to the law. Jesus is calling the people to surpass even that level of righteousness. Jesus is telling us there are high expectations, high standards for discipleship. There's an expectation of excellence in our faith, a mandate to live differently and to be determined to seek ways to bend our lives to God's ways. And as we might say back home, it ain't easy. As followers of Jesus, we are tasty and lighted. Jesus is talking about His followers making a difference in a world not just sitting back and waiting to receive abundant life. We are the tastiness that adds salt to the lives around us. We are the light that shows the justice way of the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. Salt and light don't do a thing unless they're used, unless they're poured out. Salt sitting in the box in the cabinet isn't serving its purpose. And if you light a lamp and cover it with a bushel basket, it doesn't put the light out necessarily. It renders it ineffective. It's like having a switch that you leave off instead of turning on. The question for us in both the plural and the singular is what are our unused boxes of salt? What salt do we have sitting up in our lives up in the cabinet not being used? What are the bushels that are covering up our light that lives within us? What are those bushels that are flipping the light switch off to keep the light of God from shining through us? What are they? Is it comparison to other people, comparison to other churches, reminiscing about the good old days, being self-absorbed, not having humility, fantasizing or having magical thinking about grandeur, what, whatever it is. We got to shine the light on it so that our light can shine. That box of salt was put on the shelf by somebody. It didn't happen on its own. And that bushel basket got put over the light by somebody. Or that switch got turned off. It didn't happen to us. Amy Oden says this, The good news is that Jesus has already opened the kingdom of God to everyone, regardless of who is righteous or deserving. Bushel free, 
Our lives shine with the good news of Jesus, welcoming the lost from death to life, from shame to forgiveness, from wandering in an alien land to coming home to God's very life. Thank you for listening to the Simple Worship Podcast. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at universitychristian.org. If you like this sermon, please share it with others. Thanks again and have a blessed week.